Welcome to the first episode of our podcast called Off the Reel. Um, it's just going to be a podcast focusing on movies, um, news about movies, movie nerddom, anything you can think of. It's something I've wanted to do for a while um, to just shoot the shit about film. And um, with me, that's going to help me be my partner in crime, is one of my best friends and fellow film geek, Patrick. Hello, I'm Patrick. Uh, I am a fellow film geek. Um, I really like talking about movies. That's something I do very often, and I figured I might as well um, have a recording of that for when I'm old <laughs> and see, you know, just to know what I sounded like and how embarrassing that is. <laughs> <laughs> remember when we talked about movies a lot? Here, let's listen. Oh, yeah. You remember back in the day when we talked about movies and we don't still do that? <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about these cinematic adventures oh, anymore. Man. No, those are all in the past when movies stopped coming out. <laughs> Marvel bought them all and stopped. Right. Disney's just going to own everything in the future. Yeah, they just like, decided. They're like, no, we we really, we really fucking, we fixed it. We just, we did a perfect job. We're going to stop making them now. We've hit the apex. It's best to go out on a high note. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Michael. Um, yeah, I've always been a you know, nerd of, uh, film geek, whatever. Um, I'm sitting, we're both sitting in front of a wall full of physical media because fuck streaming. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like for me, uh, movies just always kind of made sense. Yeah. Um, huge horror movie fan. Uh, I don't know. What about you, Patrick? What, what brings you to film? Oh God, that's, that's really tough. Um, I've, I've always been, I don't know. I'm just attracted to, to to visual storytelling. I don't know what that is, but I just love watch like watching a story unfold. There's something about the collection, like the the magic of these different disparate images edited together to make a rhythm and tell a story that's so unique to cinema. Like you're not gonna see, you're not gonna read a book and be shocked by I don't know, like by a by a sudden jarring cut or a moment. That, that occurs in the same way that you would in a film. I don't know. It's it's always it's just something I've always watched. My parents were big um, were big cinephiles. I mean, casual cinephiles, not like they didn't know the names of the directors or anything, but they would like watch a movie at night or something. And so it's always just been part of me. It's always been a way that I I spent my leisure time, and I it's just kind of developed into an all-consuming passion and an affinity. And I've always I've been trying to figure out what it is about this art medium that it, that attracts me. And I think, I don't know, man. It's, right. it's really tough. It's something you think about. Like, I, my whole life, like, I was the weird, you know, mm-hmm. seven-year-old who would watch, you know, me wouldn't too. even watch the movie, would, like, get the DVD and just go right to the special features yeah. and watch the two-hour-long making of featurette and be yes. like, I don't need to watch the movie. I'm fine. But <laughs> I'd watch commentaries and all that. But, yeah, mm-hmm. you think about that sometimes. Like, why is it so intriguing to, like, sit on a couch and watch the story play out in front of you when you know you can be going out making your own stories and i think that's really like there's something integral in us there's some integral communal element uh people and sharing ourselves with each other is such an integral part of humanity and storytelling is a a vital way to do that and the the easiest way 
to share stories now beyond just like you're you come home and you're like hey guess what the fuck happened to me today is you you sit down on the couch and watch a movie because it's it's just so easy to to watch you don't have to sit and focus your mind and read a paragraph where the author is using clauses within clauses and shit you can just you can turn your brain off if you want and watch a michael bay movie or you can watch a tarkovsky film if you're feeling haughty for the (laughs) evening yeah man yeah definitely um I mean, every form of art, I guess, revolves around storytelling. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it started out with, you know, plays and stuff like plays mm-hmm. in the park. Oh, yeah. Um, even paintings, like, people look oh, at yeah. and, like, what is the artist trying to say with this? And, you know, movies is that. Like, mm-hmm. you're not thinking of what the story behind this movie is. It, it gives you the story. Yeah, exactly. Where behind, like, music and you know, painting, stuff like that, and even some novels, you have to kind of, like, look for the story. Yeah. So movies is a way to, it just tells you it, like, right out yeah, in your man. face. Um, so who would you say, like, some of your favorite filmmakers are? Oh, man. Oh. Populist answers. You know, I'm always, uh, no, I'm going to go to the esoteric guys. Um, <laughs> the first guy that comes to mind is Frank Henenlotter. Frank Henenlotter, who is, uh, he directed Basket Case. He directed, um, Brain Damage, um, Basket Case 2 and 3, and then a a couple movies I haven't seen. I haven't seen Bad Biology by him or um, Frankenhooker. But he does... Frankenhooker. Like, Frankenhooker. There's a title. Have you heard of that? I haven't, but I, I want to go out. The Basket Case was also. I love yeah, Basket I Case. I love that. See, the, what I love about him... I, I don't... Do we want to get kind of into depth? Go, go for it, yeah. What I love about him is like... I was talking to somebody recently. We were watching um, some uh, French New Wave movie. There's a scene where they're wa- it's it was uh, breathless, um, and there's just a scene where the characters are walking through Paris, and like just other non-actors are hanging out and walking by, and they're just looking at the camera. And I was like, I love that, because, I mean, like you know it's a movie, why why bother hiding it? Like we all know it's made up, and there's like some beauty and extravagance to just like the craft of like not shoddy storytelling, but like you can see the um the scenes the and frank henlotter he can tell a really good really strong and cool story and he's not afraid to show the scenes he'll cast like non-actors doing these crazy absurd theatrical performances and all of his movies look like shit in just a beautiful (laughs) way um by that i mean they're grainy and they're like 16 millimeter and they're just, they have these homemade qualities that I love. And it feels like you're just hanging out on the streets of New York with some fucking perverts. And it's <laughs> so great. Um, and I won't rant about anybody else as much as I've ranted about him. But um, <laughs> I love Larry Cohen for similar reasons. He's just a fucking perverted little weirdo <laughs> who tells weird-ass horror stories. Just the weirdest shit that comes to mind. Right. He's like, what if there's some stuff on the ground and they put it in their mouth and then they sell it as yogurt? And then it's evil. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a masterpiece. It's a, I fucking love this stuff. That it's, movie's it's great. Awesome. The stuff is so good. You've seen the stuff? Oh yeah, definitely seen I the stuff. The stuff. I, I love the stuff. The stuff all the time. <laughs> and never enough of the stuff. Never. Never enough of the stuff. Oh, anyway. But we should have a viewing of the stuff soon. Ooh, <laughs> we really should. I want to shoot, we should do, we should do like a, like a movie, like a series of movie nights for Halloween where we oh, just watch yes. a bunch of fucking weird ass. Absolutely. Gonzo, because we have a, we have a group of friends who aren't as big of horror nerds as we are. Yeah. 
we're kind of we're kind of turning them a little bit though. Yeah, yeah. We we had a we had a friend of ours watch Dog Soldiers recently. <laughs> were you there when, when you... I was not. I've seen Dog Soldiers, but oh. I was not there for the for the newest viewing of Dog Soldiers. I was not there either, but I talked to to our friend about that and he I was like, "Man, we were just ranting about how cool of a character Spoon is. He takes on that werewolf fucking one-on-one he kicks it in the face and the tooth sticks in the wall that's so sick he says i i I hope i give you the shits when he dies what the fuck he's so cool that's really cool i love him i can't i want to i want a prequel about spoon fighting mythological (laughs) beings man a a dog soldier prequel there's definitely a market puppy soldiers puppy soldiers (laughs) pupper soldiers pupper soldiers i'd watch that shit hell yeah (laughs) neil marshall's fucking comeback yeah, right? Yeah. But what are some of your film, like, favorite filmmakers? Oh, God. There's so many. Um, you know, going mainstream, like, mm-hmm. especially in horror, like, I grew up loving Wes Craven. I was oh, yes. heartbroken when he passed away. George Romero. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always stood by that my favorite filmmaker and who got kind of, I mean, I've always wanted to be in film, but kind of who showed me that it was possible was Kevin Smith. Yes. You know, this fat bearded dude from the suburbs who was a huge nerd, you know, making it in filmmaking. So I was like, hey, if he does it, I can do it. Yeah, man. Um, his last film uh, broke my heart, not in a <laughs> way that it broke a lot of fans' hearts. Yeah. Um, movie wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> Clerks 3 is what we're talking about. Uh, we watched that on opening week at the Fathom events in Ooh, theaters. Yeah, really pumped. Was... And, and it, uh, yeah. It went incredibly well. <laughs> was one of the greatest experiences I've had in the movie theater. And I'm not... I don't mean that. <laughs> First of all, a huge Clerks fan. Like, oh, Clerks 1 and Clerks 2. Me too. Just classics. Like, mm-hmm. love both of them. I can't even pick a favorite out of the two, really. But um, this one, man. Like, I, I just want to sit down and talk with Kev and just ask what he was thinking. We know what he was thinking. Um, he was thinking, when's he going to fucking hit his next, you know, blunt? You know, when's he going to fucking... <laughs> When's he going to get torn up, dude? He, that's all he cares about these days. He's like, I just want to get off the set and, <laughs> and smoke, smoke a bowl weed, yeah. and chat with my buddies about Roadhouse. You know? <laughs> so if you haven't seen Clerks 3, there will be spoilers. Yes. Apologize. Um, but this movie, like, if, if you follow oh, Kevin Smith, you know, you know the heart attack story. He's talked about it a mm-hmm. billion times. You know, had a heart attack, almost killed him. The doctor called it the Widowmaker. Because, you know, <laughs> no, hardly nobody lives through it. And um, he got on a diet, lost a lot of weight, and is doing fine. But this movie is that story. So if you if you know that story, not much of this movie is going to be new. Yeah, like It's just a repetition. It's yeah, it's a repetition uh, of his life. Um, the character, Randall, has a heart attack. And <laughs> in the hospital, gets faced with mortality. And is like, I'm going to make a movie. Yeah. And he makes, ultimately he makes Clerks. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, he just makes fucking clerks. Just, just clerks. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, go you. ahead. I, I read this article, and so this isn't my th- my own thinking. But somebody made a really good point about uh, Kevin Smith made Clerks at the time in his life where it was relevant. When he was twenty three, he was kind of a loser, or I think he was kind of older than twenty three. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But now he's making it. Well, now his characters are coming back as 45-year-olds or 50-year-olds. Yeah. And they're still making clerks, which is very depressing. Because that means that they haven't matured or grown at all. Absolutely, yeah. It's like they're... I mean, it's supposed to be this beautiful kind of send-off. 
but it's it's this fuck it's just like hey we've been spinning our wheels for 30 years right and we have been we've been living over the same it's really sad it really is i mean clerks too that was a major plot point mm-hmm. like we're in our 30s yeah, and we've on. gone from working at a convenience store to working at a fast food joint. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? You know, yeah. our lives are passing us by. And the big reveal at the end is, dude, let's buy the quick stuff yeah, and own our own business, which still is great. You're still working at a convenience store. I guess the, the cherry on top is that it's your convenience store. Yeah, it's the American dream. It's owning a business. Right. Yeah. So, I, you know, I can buy that. But in this movie, it's like, that's not even on the table anymore. Like, yeah. we're still, now we're pushing 50. Yeah. It's not in our 50s. Yeah. And we're still working yeah. behind the counter at a store. It, I, there's, it was so exciting, the ending of the second Clerks, because you see the characters are growing. Like, they're developing. They finally kind of move forward in their lives. And I was really excited to see, like, where is Dante now? Is he in Rosario Dawson? Are they happy? What, what's going on? I know that there's probably strife. I was looking forward to it in the way that I was looking forward to watching uh, Before Midnight, the, the Richard Linklater movie, where you, you pick up these characters' lives every 10 or so years and just see where they are. Like, and I was like, man, I wonder if Randall's going to have like a wife and he's got his own family. And I, like, now they're, they've fucking finally made something of themselves. But Kevin's not interested in that. <laughs> Kevin made a good movie 30 years ago, and he's been writing that for 30 years, like these characters have. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at his last movies, like, a lot of people are... The one negative thing I keep hearing about this, and I really don't think it's a negative thing about Clerks 3, is that it's a movie for his fans. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not a fan of his, you will go in not understanding... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's happening. Anything. Not even <laughs> just if you've never seen the past two Clerks movies. Yeah. If you don't know about Kevin Smith's body of work, yeah. you will be, go in blind to this movie, not understanding anything. And even if you don't... even Like, it, it goes down to, like details of his personal life i didn't pick this up or 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 i i mean you commented on this i this is your comment but um there's a shot at the end where spoiler alert they're at a funeral i won't say who yet um but they're at a funeral and there's a character i forget the actor's name but it's the it's uh uh, elias's friend his silent bob character oh yeah the his silent Um, i don't remember his name either but he's he's sitting there with uh, elias and he looks behind him, and there is uh, Harley Quinn Smith's character. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gives him, like, a smile. Right. And it's like this, it's, it's, it, it, like, takes up, like, 10 to 15 seconds of valuable screen time in this 90-minute movie. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand it if you don't realize that those people are dating in real life. That's Kevin Smith's daughter and her real-life boyfriend. Right. And, like, you need that fucking context for it to make sense why this is in the movie. It doesn't pay off. It's not a setup to anything. It doesn't mean anything beyond the context of like, oh, hey, my daughter is dating this guy. Isn't it cute that we made a reference to it in our right. fucking film? You know? And that, that's not needed. Like that, they do nods like that in, in TV, like, but in a, in a feature film, like yeah. that kind of shit's not needed. I don't remember dude's name, but it's the guy from, um, he, was, he was the chubby, funny one yeah. in Scary Stories We Tell in the Dark. He's now... Better movie. Much better movie. He's now dating, if not engaged, to um, Harley Quinn Smith, and yeah, there's that little, like if you if you don't know that, if you don't know their relationship, yeah. if you don't know who that is or who she is, even yeah, that makes no sense. No, like why did she wave to the creepy guy that yeah. never says anything and <laughs> just follows Elias around? Yeah, the fucking weird NFT guy. <laughs> the NFT guy. Holy fucking shit! Bring me to one more thing that a huge part of that movie that that kind of killed it for me 
was the character of Elias. Oh my god. One of my favorite characters in Clerks 2. He's he was amazing. a new character they introduced. And he's your typical, like, come from comes from a Christian home, <laughs> super nerdy, very much a virgin. Mm, a very repressed. Yeah, very... huge Lord of the Rings and Transformers nerd. Yeah. <laughs> does not know how to pick up on social cues or even act in society. Yeah, I know. You know, he gets out of the car, he kisses his mom, and, um... What's up? <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful little right. intermission. But he gets out of the clerks too. He gets out of the car and uh, he, like kisses his mom on the lips. Yeah, and it's a big thing. Like, oh, dude, you kiss your mom. You're in your you know twenties yeah. or whatever, presumably. I think he's twenty in that. Movie. Yeah, and this movie, Clerks Three, we see him again, and I'm like, okay, you know, where's this yeah, character been yeah. for the last however oh, many years? Christ. But. You know, he he's still in the same thing, but he's they're all about NFTs now. That's sort of the the Buddy Christ flags, Ugh. kites, not flags. Sorry, yeah. on Ugh. NFTs and NFT kite, which makes no sense. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate Kevin Smith's obsession with like being modern, and like with the times in the worst fucking possible way, because nobody's gonna give a flying fuck about NFTs in two years. I don't give a fuck about them now. I would say that's now. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck about them. Yeah, they were popular when he made it four months ago. Exactly. And it's a big thing. Like, Kevin Smith's the first filmmaker to sell a film oh, as an NFT. And because of that, it's not a good idea. Because because of that, <laughs> Forget, yeah. he made this horror movie that, I mean, I'm a fan of his. I really want to see it. I'm sure a lot of people are. We're never going to fucking see that movie. That yeah. movie's never going to see the fucking light of day. I'm not fucking with, I'm not buying an NFT to watch some dog shit horror movie that's gonna be bad anyway you know I'll, I'll watch it if he lets me pay for it right without it being an nft but i fucking that makes so much i didn't make i didn't connect those dots actually because any other movie anybody i know that is a worthwhile human being thinks nfts are a fucking joke <laughs> but kevin smith's characters in this movie it's well randall and dante i think they think that it's a joke but elias and his buddy are so intent on these fucking NFTs, and they're like, they're gonna, they're so great. We love them. And guess what? They save the day at the end. They really, yeah. Because Kevin Smith is like, you know what? Fuck you guys. NFTs are cool. I'm gonna prove it to you by writing a whole movie about how fucking cool NFTs are, man. And how an NFT kite of Buddy Christ can, oh you know, God, save the day. <laughs> it's so stupid. I hate it so much. I cannot believe that that's what they they give like the movie's final moments to that too like like the big like we're gonna save the store this is how we're gonna do it NFT man and it's an NFT kite which it's makes a, even less I don't sense. know what that means <laughs> right like what can you do with a kite as an NFT I don't what can you what can you do with an NFT I don't even know how you, <laughs> what I don't even frankly I don't know what an NFT is I don't want to know I don't right. give a shit. Exactly. You, is it like a little? What is it's digi- It's like a. For what I understand, and I may get people like you know. Yeah. Calling me an idiot for not knowing, yeah. but for what I understand, it's like digital content. Digital content. It's like something you cannot have physically, but it's like digital, like. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. No, I have heard of that. That it's like a like there's something in the, like it's like it's got its own specific footprint that can't be replicated. Something like that. Something yeah. Something like that. Like people will buy like you know digital dice for D and D that, you know. Tell me about that. <laughs> oh no. 
uh, or stuff like that. I think yeah. that's pretty much what an NFT is, if um, unless I'm sadly mistaken. But despite the NFT talk in the movie, like the character of Elias, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, he comes in like like he is in Clerks too, mm-hmm. and you know he's get he gets in another argument with Randall about the NFT kites. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, he's like, oh, I, I hope God will smite you. <laughs> yeah, and literally that second, Randall has a heart attack. Yeah. So, okay. I understand how that, in a character development way, can push him to, like, going against God. Yeah. Sure. But, but, very quickly, his entire character, like, at the drop of a hat, does a complete 180, yeah. and now he's a Satanist. He's a fucking... It's the silliest. It's just so absurd the way that he fucking shifts. I forgot actually that he he was like God will smite you or whatever. I, yeah. forget, I was kind of distracted. There was a lady in the theater. We won't get into that yet. <laughs> but she was distracting the fuck out of me. And then I kind of come back in and Elias is ripping off his shirt and denouncing God right. and shit. And it's it's such a one eighty in such it's such an unexciting variation on where that character could have gone it's so i don't know man it just made me mad i was like what that's the coolest and most interesting thing you could think of that could happen to elias is he's you know the the, the god guy but what if he's into satan now yeah, you what know? if in this movie he's a satanist Ooh. and in a, in a very cartoony cheesy mm-hmm. ass way after he becomes a satanist every scene that elias is yeah. in throughout the rest of the movie he's in a different like crazy outfit yeah like apparently if you're a satanist you wear a lot of leather a lot of yeah. black you have a lot of makeup on and your hair is crazy so one scene he's literally dressed up like girl hannah's character yeah. from blade runner yeah apparently yeah when you get fucking depressed and you worship satan because your friend almost died you turn into daryl hannah from blade runner <laughs> or fucking david bowie from labyrinth i don't know man it's 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 so cheesy it's so he walked cartoony. out of another movie he right just, it's a cartoon He's a he was I mean he was kind of a cartoon in Clerks too. That's a right. way sillier movie, but he was grounded in that. Like he still felt like a human being. And this fucking movie, what, what was I, I just I don't I don't know what Kevin Smith was fucking thinking. And that was my biggest beef with with Clerks three is that <laughs> you have Kevin Smith like miss like fucking up all of his characters. Yeah. Like Elias was just the start, but yeah. then, though spoiler alert in the movie. Randall is, you know, making clerks. Dante's helping him. He just had a heart attack. Well, end of the movie, Dante has a heart attack after him and Randall get in this huge fight where they're both just like, I don't want to be friends anymore. Yeah. You know, and uh, Dante gets worked up. He has a heart attack. He's in the hospital. And Dante, I mean, I'm sorry, Dante's in the hospital after the heart attack. Randall and Elias go... And they're like, oh, sorry, you can't see him right now. We're working on it. And Randall's just like, oh, well, I'm going to go work on my movie. Okay, so you made Clerks 2, which the whole plot is how much these two guys, Dante and Randall, love each other. Yeah. How they are just like, you know, brothers and, Mm -hmm. you know, want to be there for each other at all times. Then you have Randall being like, oh, well, fuck this guy. I'm going to go make work on this movie that we just had a huge fight about. And even a, even over that, it's in Clerks one and two. It's very clear that even like that Randall can see more what Dante means to him than what like than Dante can see how much Randall means to him. You know what I mean? Like Dante 
basically just sees Randall as like the coworker he has to deal with. You know, right. he's exasperated. He's like, oh fuck, I gotta. He loves Randall, but he's like, I gotta deal with him. But Randall like lives to go bitch at Dante. Like he like Randall knows how much how important Dante is to his life, and he makes that clear, especially in Clerks too, when he says, "I love you, man." And like it would have. They could have remedied that easily if that was his character arc in three, that he loses sight of his friends. And I mean, like, I think that's what they're going for, maybe. But it's so poorly executed. Yeah, it feels like you were saying, like, it feels, there's a bit where, where Randall says, he's like, yeah, I just pumped the script out in a night. Yeah. And, and we were like, oh, guess we know how Kevin wrote this. (laughs) One night. One fucking night. He got blazed and wrote Clerks 3. And And he was crying his eyes out. (laughs) He's like, this is fucking beautiful. (laughs) Oh, Alliance is so good in this movie. (laughs) He should turn into a walrus at the end. No, I'll save that. (laughs) I'll save that bit for Clerks 4. Yeah. Oh, fuck. The end of the movie, you know, they've... Randall and Dante and everybody else has made this this Clerks movie yeah. that's literally the first movie. There's actually a bit that kind of bugs me where um, Randall's like, I'm going to make a movie about working here at the Quick Stop. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what's it going to be about? Well, remember that time that Caitlin fucked a dead guy in the bathroom? That's in the movie now. <laughs> uh, remember that time we went to that girl's funeral and knocked over the casket? That's a scene in the movie now. Yeah. And they do it over and over. Like, remember that time, you know... This happened in the quicks, and it's all scenes from Clerks. Yeah. So you're like, you're reminiscing about all this shit that happened in one day. Yeah. Of your entire fucking life working in the store. The only thing they don't reminisce from or that day is from Clerks 2, where they're like, hey, remember when we had the donkey show yeah, in movies? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that was one other day when yeah. you worked in movies. Yeah. Like, it just it didn't trek. Like, they, to me, they should have come up with, like, yeah. different scenes and they're like oh yeah this is some shit that happened at the quick stop one day you know or they could have even framed it like i mean we only watched like a day in the life of these kids how do i say that um it's it's they could frame it like like that was the like they didn't realize it then but that was like the greatest day of their lives right because like all this shit happened and like they had some grand realization about i I mean like they don't right it's kind of the point of the movie is that they just kind of fucking leave and have another day (laughs) But, like, I don't know. Maybe it would be kind of interesting if they'd been like, you know what? That was an incredible... T- Our lives are kind of incredible in a certain way, in a mundane sort of sense, you know? Right. Um, and, yeah, man, like, just the important... Like, every day, it's just more shit. It's just all, like... But, I don't know, like, that makes up a life? I don't know what I'm trying to say. That's... that's. There's a point in there somewhere if you guys want to decipher it. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Like... Yeah. They have that scene, so they 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 literally make clerks like scene from scene. Yeah. And then the end of this movie, you know, Randall finally you know has the epiphany of oh Dante, not Dante's such a good friend. I love Dante. <laughs> he means so much to me. No, no, no. That's not the epiphany he has. Mm-hmm. The epiphany he has is man, Dante really helped me make this movie yeah. I wanted to make. Yeah. Without him. I probably wouldn't have ever made this movie. Yeah. Because he helped my movie so much. He's still being a selfish asshole. Yeah, yeah, And to just further track home that this character is so screwed up in this movie and he's still a selfish asshole, yeah. he goes back to the hospital where Dante is laying in a bed, dying, hooked up to all these machines, all these shit, this shit coming out of his mouth. He can't talk. He can barely open his eyes. He's wheezing. They he's have... Going. Right. They have one sweet moment. 
where Dante holds his hand up because he can't say anything. And Randall takes his hand and goes, I'm here for you, man. I'm not leaving. That was the one part of the movie that really kind of almost almost made yeah. me. Yeah, almost got made me. me gave me the feels. But then <laughs> that's followed by Randall going, Oh, God, you got to see the movie. I finished the movie, I finished Dante. The movie. So he puts this laptop on the TV tray in the hospital, <laughs> wheels it up right in front of his best friend that's dying. Yeah. Right in his fucking face, and lets and plays clerks and forces him to watch it. Right, and is it is it the clerks that they film? No, no. Where no. they all look fifty? No, it's the original clerks, which makes no sense yeah, continuity wise no. in this movie. It's so sad. It implies so many set. I don't know, man. Like that was the bet. Like it, it, it. Going back to that, it's like yeah, we're returning to a like our the best part of our lives. Right. But it was so, it's so sad that that's the best they could have done, man. Right, like, and then, like, in the movie, like, Dante is in his own head. Yeah. He's in his, you know, he's dying, so he's in his own head, and he's watching this movie, like, in a theater, yeah, yeah. which was kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. And then Rosera Dawson, who, by the way, they died <laughs> shortly after Clerks 2. Yeah. She dies, get, she gets hit by a drunk driver. Which so is she's bullshit. in the movie. Yeah, when I saw the movie, <clears throat> they... they one of the first fucking things you see when Dante opens the store is there's a pla- like a little piece of paper. It's not even a plaque. They just have a piece of paper duct taped to the wall of this convenience store that's like, you know, what's her name? Um, Becky. Becky. Becky, you know, like 1986 to 2006 or however old she is. And I was like, oh, they couldn't get Rosario back. She's dead now. But she's still in the fucking movie. She's in the movie. They didn't have to kill her off. It would have been so much more interesting if they didn't. They, they, like, the only reason they killed her was to have her at this end scene. Yeah. Like, escort Dante to the afterlife. Because yeah. Dante, the moral of the story, the Clerks movie Randall made was... The Clerks 3 is so bad, it fucking killed Dante. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It did. <laughs> it did. So, Clerk, like, Clerk, he's watching Clerks dying in his hospital bed, and in his mind, he's, you know, his wife, Rosera Dawson, comes in, mm-hmm. and she's like, are you ready to go? And he's yeah. like, yeah. She's like, do you want to finish the movie? He's like, no. No. <laughs> I know how it ends. Yeah. The filmmaker's not only my favorite filmmaker, which, yeah. come on, aim higher. Yeah. But yeah. it's my best friend. Yeah. Which makes no sense, because he's refusing to finish the movie. Yeah. yeah, no, he's like, yeah, no, this is a piece of shit. I don't want to watch <laughs> this. He's just being nice. <laughs> he's like, give me, fucking kill me, dude. I don't want to be here anymore. Get me the fuck out of here, Rosario, you know? Right. If I'm on my deathbed, and I'm watching a movie that's not only from my favorite filmmaker, but my best friend. Yeah. And then the angel of death is like, you want to finish the movie first? I'd be like, fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, dude <laughs> Even if it ain't great, like, give me it. But no, no. Clark's 3 was so bad, Dante was like, get me the hell out of here. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to finish it. this. <laughs> Just let me die. Yeah, right? Holy <laughs> shit. What a piece of shit that movie was. Oh my god. And like, like, I, I, like I said, I've always been a huge Kevin Smith fan, and I do, I do think there are things to like in yes, this movie. Yes, most But certainly. overall... Compared to like, not even comparing it to the rest of his films, just comparing it to Clerks One and Two. Yeah, this movie was such a tragic letdown. Yeah, man, I completely agree. But like, in terms of the things that we liked, that the first like six, however long the song "Welcome to the Black Parade" is, is the best part of the movie because they play the song "Welcome to the Black Parade" over the opening. And it's a really fucking cool sequence. Yeah, they play the song in its entirety from yeah. like Michael Romance. It's almost like a music video, but it, yeah, yeah. it is. It's such a cool opening. Yeah, and it's like cinematic, and there's shots, and there's rack focuses, and it's just fucking. It's just interesting, and you like, 
Randall walks out and you're like, fuck yeah, Randall. Because it's like, it's in, in tune with the music, like some triumphant moment in the song. And you're watching Jay and Silent Bob and there's like, they're like tossing drugs up to the roof. Right. They're Kevin, playing, they're once again playing hockey on the roof. Yes. Which is, I mean, that's a callback. With all the like, comic book men. With all the comic book men. Yeah. I, I'm a bit, I'm a comic book man fan. And like, there's that scene where like, I think it's Don. But they're getting down to like serve the puck or whatever, and it's like two faces come in. And it's like Dante bends down first, and then Ming Chen bends Hell down. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's awesome, my man. And uh, yeah, that's literally the coolest scene in the movie. And then Brian Johnson's in the background, right? <laughs> he's still got that kick-ass beard. Man. Yeah, he does. It's, it's a very impressive beard. It's, it, and it's all there's so many fucking cameos. There's a scene that exists solely because Kevin Smith is buddies with the Impractical Jokers and Ben Affleck. And he's like, you guys want to be in the fucking movie? I'll make a scene just for y'all. Just for you guys. And the, this insufferable woman, she saw the Impractical Jokers. She went, ah, ha, 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 look, it's them. I was like, <laughs> fuck these people. I fucking hate these fucking Guido motherfuckers. These New Jersey piece of shit. I got mad. We haven't we haven't explained the, um, we don't the woman. <laughs> yeah, we do. The woman for this this theater experience. Um, there was this, this couple came in. Oh my God. And sits right next to us. And, um. No, but we, we, so in advance, we bought tickets. Right. So that we would make sure we didn't sell out. We got the center seats because we're nerds. We want to see it. We want to be in the proper arena, you know? We're not going to sit off to the side. No, you got to be in the center. And so we go to pick up our tickets and they show us our seats. And the two seats next to ours have been fucking purchased. There's so many seats left. We overestimated how many people were going to be interested. <laughs> did. Um, but th why the fuck would these people get seats right next to us? And I'm like, you know what? I'll sit next to them. I'll make a new friend. And so that bit me in the ass. Because <laughs> we, we go in, and they sit down, and at first it's fine. But then that scene where Elias is introduced, he, and it's, it's a callback to... The second one, when his when his parents come and drop him off at the the, the movies, um, you know they give him a kiss on the cheek and they, they send him on his way, and it's a it's a callback because he pulls up to the quick stop with like a group of guys, mm -hmm. and this fucking woman, this beehive ass haircut, loud ass bitch, she goes, what? He's gay? Ugh! Just so disgusted. And I should have fucking known. I should have trusted the bad omen. Because it didn't get better. First of all, if you're a homophobic bitch, <laughs> yeah. do not go to a Kevin Smith no, film. No, bro. There's yeah. so much, like, gay, yeah. like, humor in yeah, yeah. his movies. Like, if you're a homophobe, don't go see one of his movies. Well, maybe she can interpret it as, like, he's making fun of gay people. Because he's, like, and chasing Amy, he... Like, the whole plot is like, let's turn this gay woman straight. All she needs is a good Ben Affleck bit. Right. You're not really a lesbian. You just need Ben Affleck. Yeah, you just need... Affleck is the bomb in you. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's this fucking... And she was... She kept talking, this fucking woman. She would not shut the fuck up. Her laugh is the most inhuman fucking noise you've ever heard in your life because it is I thought 
I thought for a I thought maybe her boyfriend brought her to this movie and she didn't want to go. So she was being some passive aggressive bitch and doing this fake fucking laugh at every goddamn joke. She like um and but she was clearly a fan after a while. She would go like, "Oh my god, they said the thing that they say in every one of the fucking movies. It's a shock they said it again." Jay said Snoogans. That's the thing he always says. <laughs> Isn't that funny, my boyfriend who doesn't say anything ever? And it wasn't just like leaning over to the boyfriend and no. whispering or like talking at a low volume. Full this bitch was acting like she was at home. Oh. Just in her living room with the movie on just for the background. Yeah. And she's just fucking chilling she's doing just her laundry. Chilling. Yeah. She's she smelled bad too. She she had she was oh god. Oh, I don't even... I can't... She had a beehive haircut. She smelled like shit. She was probably drunk as a motherfucker. I don't know. She had her own silent bob. That was the boyfriend. Because he didn't say a fucking word. He said one thing. It got to the point... We were at the point where Dante's about to die. And this woman is fucking sobbing. She's going... I knew they were going to do it. And the boyfriend just goes... Yeah, I... I saw that coming. <laughs> That's all he fucking said the whole movie. He's like, yeah, I saw that one fucking come from a mile away. Even he's like, shut up, you dumb bitch. You know? <laughs> he's like, I'm rethinking our entire relationship yeah. after this night. I don't know, man. They looked... I don't know. I'm, we're not going to keep ranting about this woman. I hate... <laughs> I hated that woman. I wanted... I, I kept thinking about the scene in True Lies where Schwarzenegger is riding in the car with Bill Paxton, and he's going like, and a pair of titties make you stand up and beg for buttermilk. Ass like a ten-year-old boy. And then Schwarzenegger just fucking clocks him so hard in the nose, his face explodes, and he dies. That's what I wanted to do to this woman. I just fucking kept picturing myself fucking elbowing her in the goddamn noggin, man. <laughs> I just her face just imploding? Yes. <laughs> she Bill Paxton's, you know? She Bill Paxton's... <laughs> Oh my god! But anyway, uh, she didn't help the. Uh, yeah, we thought you thought maybe that was like tempering the experience at first, right? Right. Yeah. At first, I was like, maybe I'm not liking this movie because I'll, none of the jokes were landing for me. Like, you know, things would happen in the movie, and I'm like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I'm not. I'm like, maybe it's just because of this bitch. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Maybe she's just pissing me I off so bad I can't enjoy the movie. Yeah. But no, it was just it was it was wasn't great. It wasn't, it wasn't great. great. I didn't love it. It sucked, man. I was so sad. I got so I was so I was looking so forward to it. We rewatched the first two. I was like, wow, these kind of do hold up a lot better than some Kevin Smith movies I've seen. Um, but fuck, man, it's so cheap. There's a scene. Uh, Silent Bob is the cinematographer. Um, Just because there's no one else, like yeah. At this point, when Randall's giving out jobs, he's like. You're the DP. You're this guy. You know. Yeah. You're the editor. You're. The, you know. Yeah. And to it, like it's a, it's an in joke. Kevin Smith doesn't know what the fuck to do with the camera. He's the director. It's funny that he's the cinematographer. His character's the cinematographer. But there's a scene where uh, Silent Bob decides for the crew that the movie's gonna be shot in black and white, as like a you know of course a send up to the first film, right? right. But. He's like, you know, shooting a movie in color in this building would look like dog shit. It would be unwatchably bad if they sh if we shot this movie in color. It would be the worst decision we could make if we shot in real life in color in this building. You know, like they like they did. Like they do. 
Yeah. Was that a joke? Was that on purpose? I don't know. I can't, sometimes I can't tell where the jokes are. <laughs> was that a joke or was that Kevin Smith being like, I'm sorry, this movie looks so shitty. Yeah, was he apologizing? Or did he not even know? Did he not even realize that it was like, like it was a funny, and the jokes, there's so many jokes in here that just don't work. Like, what were some of them? Were What's they... a butt thief? Oh my God. What's a, what is a butt what is a butt thief? There's a <laughs> Elias keeps telling the story of like you know when Jesus is hanging on the cross. There's the good thief and the bad thief, mm-hmm. and every time he's telling the story, he's like, "But the wait, wait, what was it? Oh God, what is it? But, but the good, but oh fuck yeah. Well, that's how well that movie started. <laughs> Something about like but the the you know but the. Oh, I am. We are. I oh, am but yeah. a thief, or I am but thieves, or we are but thieves. We are but thieves. Yeah, that's what it was. He's like, <laughs> we are but thieves. We got there. And then every time he says this, he keeps saying it because why not? And every time he says it, another character in the background goes, "What's a butt thief?" And it's just as funny as the first time. Each time they repeat it, which is all. very fun. Oh yeah. Oh no, I didn't think it was funny either. <laughs> However, the woman bias every oh. single time thought it was hilarious. And, and and there there was like there's only one joke in the movie that I can recall that actually got me. There's a scene. It's just it's it's a stoner comedy. Jay and Silent Bob are smoking a comically large joint, and they have to like use both hands to hold it. And they're like, <sighs> you know, they're they're sucking on that fucking thing like crazy. And I laughed. And the woman next to me, she just she was just dead silent. There's one funny fucking moment in the movie, and it's the one time she doesn't make any noise. <laughs> At least I got to enjoy it. Right. That's, I mean, that's all that matters. Yeah, right? That's... Uh... Anyway. <laughs> and there's a... Going back to, like, you know, this movie... Like, okay, to be fair, you never watch a Kevin Smith movie and be like, man, look at this cinematography. <laughs> Doesn't this movie look good? Yeah. That's never the case. And he admits... Yeah, he will yeah. admit that's not what he goes for, you know? Yeah. However, when you go look at Even Clerks 2, which was filmed back in 2006... Yeah. Um, Jane about reboot which came out before this one. Yeah. Like, they're beautiful films. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. full of color. Like, the camera is moving. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'd say that they're better than this. Right. Well, Clerks yeah. 2 in particular, the camera moves. The characters walk around. And I, when we rewatched, we rewatched part of uh, Reboot the other night. I was very surprised at how pretty that movie looks. Right, yeah, they're pretty movies. Yeah. And then you watch this one, and it's complete opposite. Yeah. It's cheap. Digital photography. There, what was that? That it, we had a little making up feature at afterwards, where they're talking about shooting in New Jersey. What was right. that? Right. This like? was his first movie to shoot back in New Jersey, <laughs> and however long. And um, they were like, yeah, he hadn't been able to shoot in Jersey for quite some time because of you know money. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought back to when he shot reboot close to where we are here in Mississippi. He shot it in New Orleans. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I shot this movie in New Orleans. There's so much untapped resources in New Orleans, yeah. and we've never shot a movie there. So I just really wanted to shoot a movie there. Yeah, and I'm sure. like, motherfucker, you wanted to shoot a movie there because it was cheap. Yeah, yeah, man. So you know he had this massive crew in New Orleans, yeah. and on this making up featurette, they're like, yeah, we had a really small crew because COVID guidelines. Yeah, this is for Clerks Three now. Yeah, Clerks Three, and then I'm like, you had a small crew because you didn't have money. Yeah, because you wanted to shoot. Because you wanted to New shoot Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> to be fair. 
it's not really the quick stop if it's not the quick stop. Exactly. I can't. I can't. I can't oh no, I completely think they yeah. they needed to shoot it in Jersey. I completely back that up. But like, don't sugarcoat it. Just what what if they what if they shot it really small? What if they what if Kevin Smith went back to his roots and he shot it like very independently with he just got uh, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Randall together and they just shot like this small scale human drama going back you know like I said just just meeting up with these characters again but they like moved on and it's just like a little day in their lives you know just like a sweet like hey it all turned out okay right. You know, we, we've spent so long kind of spinning our wheels, but you know what? It's okay because we've ended up somewhere, and it's not where we wanted to be, but it's, you know, it's the shape of a life over the course of 30 years. You know, I just think, that, wouldn't that be so much more interesting? Like, you shoot it in black and white, so you can't see how ugly the fucking store is, and you just make, I don't know, man, there's, such a, there's so many better ways to make Clerks 3 than what we fucking got. So much better. So many better ways. And, like, over the credits of this movie... Instead of, like, having a song with a soundtrack or anything like that, we just, yeah. Kevin Smith is talking to us, which is awesome. You're like, yeah. I'm a fan. I love hearing him yeah, talk. Yeah. But he is so obviously stoned while he's talking over the credits of this movie. Yeah, and the one thing, one of the things he said got me, because, like, we were talking about earlier, they have the scene where Silent Bob's like, oh, if, you know, shooting this in color looks like dog shit. Yeah. And over the credits, Kevin Smith's like, finally, you get to see Clerks the way I've always wanted fans to see clerks which is in color because that's the way i see it because when i watch clerks one i don't see it in black and white i'm seeing it in color because i was there i lived that shit and i'm like what it's so fucking stupid like what are you talking about my dude yeah and then like what what's the line that he's like i wrote this really beautiful line that i cut out of the movie because it wasn't good enough but I think it's good enough to end the fucking credits with because it's so beautiful. What the fuck is that line? It was, uh... Was it God talking? No, it was, um... <laughs> it would have been better if it was a lot of more set. Yeah, right. And... No, way. no it, was, it was something along the line. I can't remember exactly, but it was something along the lines of they're bitching about the customers. Yeah. The and customers then, are the worst part of the job. Yeah, the customers are the worst part of the job. And yeah. then Randall's like, oh, no, the customers are the best part of the job. Yeah. It's all for the customers. Yeah. Like Randall would ever say that. Exactly. He actually had, literally has the line in the first one where yeah. he's like, this job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. Yeah. Man, that... What a fucking way to end the movie. And the, one of my favorite things about a Kevin Smith movie, or it was when I was a kid, was watching his credits. Because like, there's, there's very few filmmakers who will utilize the credits in an interesting way. And like, there's more interesting ways to use credits. There's ways to put in like side gags or whatever, like right. a like a Leslie Nielsen movie. Like, uh, no, I'm not gonna get off track and go off on fucking in credit jokes. But <laughs> Kevin Smith always ends his credits with like, like a like a like a special thanks section where he like lists everybody who helped him made the movie with like little like little descriptions of like little anecdotes. Like, yeah, yeah. Of, like yeah, like hey, you know thanks for being there mom or whatever right. like i wouldn't have been here without you or thank god for the the bamboo just things right. that don't make sense without context but you're like that that's like that's something cool you know and then like you'll have little jokes and this motherfucker took that away from me because he couldn't shut the fuck up for five minutes and let his movie in he couldn't <laughs> even let the movie in before he started fucking yeah, talking so he can't he even won't shut the fuck up he can't even concentrate on reading the credits because yeah. he's just running his mouth and he, that's all he's doing. He's running his mouth. That's what I've realized. We're, we've been watching, like, 
introductions for his movies and stuff. <laughs> and I've just realized, like, he's not... Like, he's a really good storyteller. But it's because he just kind of happens upon them eventually. Because he just... He'll just, like... He'll just run his fucking mouth about... About goddamn Roadhouse. For four minutes. Before weaving his way back around to introducing Clerks 2. You know? Yeah, I think it was... Was it Clerks 1 or Clerks 2? I think it was Clerks 2. Maybe. There was an introduction about, like, Kevin Smith and Scott Moser. Yeah. And right at the start of it, they're not even talking. Yeah. It's like you're not even coming at the beginning of a conversation. You're coming in, like, halfway through this conversation yeah. about Roadhouse. About Roadhouse, And yeah. the conversation goes on a good, like, six or seven minutes yeah. until finally one of them mentions Clerks. Yeah, and Scott's not even fucking facing the camera. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. He's, like, he's in profile and I think I counted three times he he glances, like, fucking petulantly at the camera. Like, just loathes, this is most, the most loathsome gaze you can imagine. He just, like, cocks his eyes over at it. And, like, Kevin, they're, they're just, ch- what the, it's nine minutes long. And they barely talk about the movie. Right. What the fuck is that? It's, I love Kevin. I love Kevin Smith. I love his yeah. stories. And I stand by that. I'm, I'm still a fan. Yeah. Like, oh, no, yeah. I'll, always, guy, I'll sure. always be a fan of the dude. But I just, I don't know. I can't. Like, I've defended a lot of his movies in the past. Like, I defended Tusk. And people are like, <laughs> oh, Tusk and, Tusk and Yoga Hooser sucked. I'm like, no, th- those were fun movies, man. There's movies he wanted to make for himself. Yeah, yeah for he wanted no one else. Right. <laughs> he wanted to make those movies. You know, he wanted to cast his daughter in them. Yeah. He got to work with Johnny Depp. Like, I mean, it, it, they're, 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 they're fun, fun little movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, they're not amazing films or nothing none of his you know none of them are (laughs) right none of them really are but you know those movies are fine and I've defended those for years I don't think I can defend this movie (laughs) it's it's interesting because you're right like it's it's all he doesn't make movies for anybody but himself and his fans and his fans yeah I mean James Hallbaum reboot and especially this one they're for his fans like if you're not a fan you're gonna be both of those movies you are not gonna know what the hell's going on yeah oh reboot in particular yeah or like I mean James Hallbaum Bob Strike Back is the same kind of way yeah well it, you would think that but on it James Hallbaum well, Strike Back was the first movie of his I ever saw well, you and make I a good point. me too actually I did I, well I saw it when I was in middle school so yeah. I didn't know what the fuck was going on anyway but I was like <laughs> they said fart and titty and clitoris I like that I was like it's those two dudes from Scream <laughs> 3 <laughs> Man, no, nah, bro. When I finally saw Scream Three, I went, "Holy fucking shit! Is that Jay and Silent Bob? Oh my god, this is the best Scream movie of them all. There's <laughs> no way any of these movies can be better. There's nothing that could happen at the end of this movie that could ruin Scream Three at all for me. And it never happened. Scream Three is the best one. <laughs> it's better it. than four or five. Ah, uh, you're you're on your own with four. Oh. I'd, I'd have to rewatch five. Four was, fuck man. Three is such a slog. If you couldn't tell, I was being ironic. Three sucks. <laughs> three is fucking dog shit. Three can I, I scrape it off my boot heel every time I fucking watch it, or my the the, the sole of my shoe because I don't wear boots. But that movie sucks. Five, five pisses me off because of what they did with the central. Ca- they, it was also so bad they fuck it, that it killed one of the central cast members. I won't say who. I guess. I mean. I guess. Yeah, people think about it. I mean, we already spoiled Dante dies. Yeah. So. Well, fucking. If you don't. If you want to watch Scream Five, do it now because, fucking Dewey dies. They kill Dewey. I will say that movie. The coolest line in that movie though is when Dewey dies. Yeah. Because the, the killer's holding him up with his fucking knife. He's like holding him in the air. Yeah. And he's just like, it's an honor. And that line just got yeah. me. I was like, that is. They're gonna kill him off. 
that badass line was a way to do it. But it, it makes me so mad, man. Because, like, they, they said... Uh, we're getting off on a tangent. But, um, we, uh, but one of my favorite things about Dewey is he's silly. He's kind of... Uh, he's kind of he's goofy. He's a, you know he's a silly character. He's a weird guy, um, but he's he's still smart. Like for as much as Screen Three fucking sucks, there's a bit toward the beginning where I forget exactly what happens, but Dewey finds out that somebody's looking for Sid. Like he's going, she's he's they're going through the database to try to find her where Sid is. Right. And Sid's like, holy shit, did he find me? And Dewey's like, no, I moved your file. Yeah, right? Yeah, because he's smart. It's fine. She lives in the woods now yeah, in a cabin. Right. Yeah. That's the safest place to live in a horror movie. Yeah, is a right? fucking cabin in the woods. That's what true. could possibly go wrong? And, and then they never use that? I know. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that have been kind of interesting if they, like, if that movie ended up being, like, a reversal of the the opening in one? Like, but, like, somebody's, like, a like a Stab fan, and they're like, let's recreate the opening of Stab. You know? Right. But, like, now Sid lives out in the woods. or like, fuck yeah, fuck this bitch. And shit like that. And like, because they're... Anyway, but Dewey is a silly guy, but he's he was always smart, right? He was a smart character, and he was capable, and he didn't make stupid decisions. That's why these characters lived. And in five, my man is like, oh, I gotta go double tap uh, alone in the fucking empty hospital wing. Why is that hospital wing empty? Did they explain that? I think they, like... I think didn't have a murder just happen or an attempted murder, so they kind of emptied out that floor. I get me. I've only seen the movie once. I need to rewatch it. I'm not. Yeah, because there's like a whole sequence where what's her face, uh, Jenna Ortega, is like wheeling herself around the hospital trying right. not to. So there had to be context. I forget, but anyway, fucking Dewey just Dewey the the, the smart guy is like, oh, you guys go downstairs. I'm gonna go back to hang out with the killer alone to make sure he's dead because that goes well. And he gets movie. fucking dead. He gets killed because he's and, stupid. And at least do it smart. Like, yeah. Like, like, if you're gonna go double tap, fine. Yeah. Don't hesitate. Yeah. Walk, be like, get my back. One. Yeah. yeah. Stay here in the elevator, but get my fucking back. Yeah. Maybe. Walk up to the killer and just immediately. You, you know. Okay. Here's another. Don't hesitate. But no, he he saunters up all slowly. Yeah. He bends down all slowly. He, no, he has to take the mask off. Yeah. Right? He has to reaches out to the mask and slow. Like, come on. Fuck You're Dewey. smarter than that. Dewey's, yeah. Okay, here's a here's a better way that could have played out. Or, or, like, it would have rearranged this plot a lot. But what if he had, like, because Dewey's very trusting. He's very sweet. What if you have Dewey come in, and he's like, he's like, okay, he's got a friend with him. He's like, okay, we're going to double tap. We, I need, I'm not going to do this alone. I'm not stupid. And But he he's trusted the wrong person, and it's the one of the other killers. <laughs> and he, he ends up getting stabbed literally in the back again. And the killer goes like, "Does that seem familiar? That feel familiar or something like yeah. that?" And he goes, "Oh fuck! Oh, I fucked up." But it's like believable. In and that Dewey case. just looks at the camera. Not again! Not again! Not for the third goddamn time. <laughs> I, when I was rewatching Scream Two, I was like, "Bro, they're not gonna stab Dewey in the back and have him fucking come back at the end again." Again. And then they did. I forgot how silly that is. Because they're like, "Oh, we can't." In the first one, they're like, "Oh, Dewey's too cute. We can't kill Dewey." Right. And then they fucking do it again, man. They do it the exact same way. He gets... They kill him, quote-unquote. I'm doing quotation marks with my hands. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the first one, he gets stabbed in the back and he falls over, quote-unquote, dead. And then he gets carted off in the ambulance. And then the second one, he gets stabbed in the back. 
falls over, quote unquote, dead, and he gets carted away in an ambulance, and he's fine. And and then in the third one, he's like, he doesn't even have a limp anymore. He's been stabbed. His back looks like a fucking cheese grater, man. <laughs> anyway, but we've gotten off topic. Do we? Do we want to keep just a little bit? Yeah, but um. I guess it's getting close to need to wrap up this anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this was the first episode of Off the Reel. Um, we'll be back with a second episode, Indeed hopefully. Hope it's entertaining. Hopefully. And, yeah, so uh, signing off, I'm Michael. I'm Patrick. Thanks for listening. How was that?